Chapter Seven, Part Two of Angels of the Battlefield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Chapter Seven, Sister Anthony at Shiloh, Part Two. Sister Anthony departed this life at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, December the 8th, 1897, in her room in St. Joseph's Maternity Hospital and Infant Asylum, conducted by the Sisters of Charity at Norwood. Her last days were as tranquil and peaceful as the most devoted friend could desire. The fortnight before her death was spent chiefly in prayer. On the Saturday prior to her demise, she received Holy Communion in the chapel attached to the hospital. It was destined to be her last visit to the holy table she loved so much. The same day she was prostrated and compelled to take her bed. Here she remained until she calmly expired on the following Wednesday. Sister Anthony made her home with the sisters at Norwood during the last few years of her life. Her love for the poor unfortunates of the hospital and the helpless little foundlings in the asylum was boundless notwithstanding her extreme age she was very active and delighted to mingle with the inmates every morning giving them words of comfort and consolation and in a hundred and one little ways trying to lighten their burdens she was ever cheerful and kind and those who knew her best cannot recall an instance where a word of impatience or complaint ever escaped her lips. The news of her death created great sorrow among the old soldiers, with whom she was a great favorite. Many military organizations took formal action as an evidence of their regard and esteem. For instance, William H. Little Post, Grand Army of the Republic, passed the following resolutions of respect. Quote, Whereas the venerable sister anthony departed this life on wednesday afternoon after a life of usefulness in taking care of the sick and doing boundless charity and whereas she was one of the most active nurses during the war doing many kind silent acts and whereas she will be buried from st peter's cathedral saturday at nine o'clock be it resolved that in order to show our gratitude and affection for her an appreciation of her services as an army nurse we attend her funeral and invite all other posts to participate with us it is the usual custom for the sisters of charity to be buried from the mother house but in recognition of the great services of sister anthony the archbishop ordered that the funeral be from the cathedral the body remained at the foundling asylum where she died until friday when the remains were brought to Cincinnati and laid in state at the Good Samaritan Hospital. The following morning the last services were held in the cathedral. The scene was a memorable one. A vast multitude gathered near the church. Only a very small proportion was able to gain admittance to the sacred edifice. As the cortege approached, heads were bowed in grief and silent reverence. Not a breath of flower relieved the simple severity of the pole, but a dozen men stood about the casket, its guard of honor. These were the men who, on the field of battle, in the rain of bullet and shell, 
had watched the coming of that form that now lay cold within the narrow house with anxiety born of despair the battle flags now furled and draped in their hands had been the beacon that had led her where pain and fever raged and it was meet that the stars and stripes should follow to her tomb in the casket's wake came the guard of honour and one hundred sisters of charity in their sombre habits the forward pews had been reserved for the sisters and orphans of the asylum which the dead sister had founded the white headdresses of the little girls and white collars of the boys were in marked contrast to the black garb of the sisters silhouetted against the brilliant background archbishop elder bishop byrne of nashville a large number of priests and fifty seminarians were present archbishop elder celebrated the mass assisted by the rev j c albrink rev john h Schonelt was the deacon of the mass and rev father van bruis subdeacon the deacons of honor were the very rev john mary and the very rev john m mackay rev henry miller was master of ceremonies bishop byrne of nashville who preached the sermon said among other things quote, we are come together to pay the last tribute to one who is worthy of such a tribute to one whose figure was a familiar one on the streets of cincinnati and whom you all knew and loved her fame extended beyond the limits of the state and was not circumscribed by the limits of a continent and the church always in sympathy with such nobility of character has draped her altars in black though she is dead she lives every prophecy of the word conspires to express this that she has gone to live forever the prophecy bids us to exult for a soul gone to christ these are the words of the epistles these are the sentiments expressed by the church christ was her inspiration and for this reason she trod the battlefield and entered hospitals pregnant with pestilence her presence was more to those brave sons of america than that of an angel yet she was only a type of many for the same reason she loved the waifs and castaways the destitute afflicted and lowly i repeat that she was but the type of many and every sister of charity does these acts one thing more precious than all she has left us and that is her glorious example to her own sisters to her own community not to catholics alone her example is precious her fidelity and devotion should be an inspiration the words of the prelate impressed his listeners as was evidenced by their tears and when his grace the archbishop arose there was an emotion in his voice as he said quote, you have heard it said what lessons may be drawn from this sad occasion the pleasures and pains of this world pass away and only the things done for god last always only what is done for the world to come lays by as an eternal treasure we owe a debt of gratitude to her whose life was so quiet and yet so glorious we owe her a debt of gratitude for the example she has set us for our encouragement thereupon the blessing followed and the mourners filed from the church preceded by the casket which after being placed in the hearse began its last journey to the mother-house at delhi followed by eight carriages containing the sisters and the clergy 
arrived there, the soulless tenement was placed in the vault of the cemetery to find private burial without further ceremony at the hands of the good sisters, her friends and companions. The following beautiful description of the funeral and interment of Sister Anthony is from the Cincinnati Tribune of December 12, 1897. Friday afternoon the remains of Sister Anthony were brought to the Good Samaritan Hospital, where they lay in state in the chapel, visited by hundreds of sorrowing friends. A great number of girls employed in factories near the hospital visited the chapel after working hours to pay a last tribute of respect to her, who was at all times their friend and confidant in times of trouble. It was at the earnest request of the sisters at the hospital that the remains of Sister Anthony were brought in. They wanted to have her with them once more, for the last time, amid the scenes of her noblest work, to pray beside her bier and bid a last farewell to the spirit which they all emulate. Visitors thronged the chapel far into the night, and there was little rest for the sisters, who were up at dawn and in the chapel again, where the Reverend Father Finn, of the Society of Jesus, sang requiem mass assisted by the saint xavier's choir under the direction of mr borx when the time came for the departure to the cathedral a number of friends joined in singing lead kindly light and sweet spirit hear my prayer while the body was borne from the chapel these two beautiful hymns were the favorites of sister anthony and she would have wished that they be sung at her funeral in the cathedral, the temple of the religion she loved and worked and prayed for, two veterans of the Grand Army of the Republic, bearing aloft the flags of their country draped in somber black, stood sentinel at her bier. There was the procession of priests and companies of Sister of Charity, instead of the rank and file of soldiery. There were embroidered robes and black habits in place of the blue and grey. There were candles instead of campfires. There was the chime of bells and the chanting of the choir, instead of the call of trumpets and beat of drums. There was the organ pealing instead of the musketry roll. There was the fragrance of incense instead of the smoke of the battlefield. There was the counting of beads instead of the binding of wounds. There was the beer and the sable pole instead of the hospital stretcher. There were the whispered prayers of two thousand people on bended knees, for the repose of the soul of Sister Anthony. The morning light streamed dimly and softly through the stained glass windows, and electric lights took the place of the stars in heaven's blue canopy, but it was the bureau of the dead. The ministering angel to soldiers, the comfort of widows and orphans, the friend of the poor, the sick and the unfortunate was dead, and about her, come to do her honor, were soldiers, orphans and widows, those who had been poor and sick and unfortunate, her greatest care in life. The altars of the church were draped in black, and with high requiem mass and eulogies, the priests of the church paid tribute to a noble member of their sisterhood. Far up above the Ohio, on a beautiful plateau, with a view for miles in every direction, is the mother house of the Sisters of Charity, founded away back in the thirties by pioneers of the order from Emmitsburg. 
Here is the grave of Sister Anthony. She lies beside Mother Regina Mattingly and Mother Josephine Harvey, who were with her when she first came west, and with her helped to found the mother house. Today they sleep together in the little graveyard and near the home they made for their sisterhood. Their graves are in a little grove of birches and evergreens, and surrounded by the graves of their sisters, who have gone before. Their graves are marked by simple stone crosses, bearing their names in the world and in religion. When the funeral train reached the house, the sisters, headed by their chaplain, received the body and bore it to the chapel, where it lay in state for two hours. The sisters wanted their dear friend for that long at least, for the mother-house she always considered her home, and they regarded her as a mother and loved her as such, for to all she was ever the same, sweet, lovely, and loving friend. The services for the dead were read by the right reverend Bishop Byrne, after which the body was borne to the grave. With slow and solemn tread, the long life of black-robed sisters marched before. A drizzling rain had begun to fall, and in the murky atmosphere the scene took on a solemnity and grandeur impossible to picture. The sisters chanting prayers and the priests following in their purple robes, and their heavy bass voices joining in, had a beautiful effect. As the procession neared the burying ground, the miserere was chanted by all. There were very few at the graveside besides those connected with the church. Thus ended the earthly career of this angel of battlefield. End of the quote. End of chapter 7, part 2.